Amen. Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing good? I tell you, I, I'm, I'm so thankful to hear that story, and I hope that you are as well this morning as we, as we just hear in this story. It, it just reminded me that, that Cross Point Church is one huge story made up of a lot of smaller stories. Amen? It, it's stories of life change. It's stories of impact where God is is moving in such ways that, that we could only imagine. We look around and we see this story when we gather on Sunday morning, but what we may not know are all the, the integral stories that exist in our hallways and, and in our life groups and, and all the relationships that are, that are part of what makes up Cross Point Church. And, and I know for me, I've just been so encouraged hearing the stories of we've, as we've prepared for this series and just getting ready for what God is going to do in our life. And, and it's just been incredible. I'm so thankful for, for Greg and, 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 uh, and, and Kathy just revealing their story to us this morning. And we're going to have some other stories to, to share as well as we walk through this series. And so uh, I tell you, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and just offer a time of thanksgiving and, uh, for, for who He is and the work that He has done in our life, and, and then also prepare to dive into God's Word together. So pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for stories like Greg and Kathy's, and God, there's so many other stories that we know exist in this place. And Father, we know that you are doing something incredible in our life. God, we know that you are doing something incredible in the lives of our children, God, in the lives of our students, of the college students that arrive here in Valdosta, Georgia, and attend this church, God, in the adult ministries that take place in our life groups. God, we are, we are thankful. We are thankful for your presence in our life, and we are thankful for the stories that, that Lord, ultimately point to your great work in us and through us. And Father, we thank you for this time when we can gather together on a Sunday morning and Lord, we can walk through your word and God, we can be challenged and God, we can be sanctified through your presence in our life. And Lord, I pray that as we prepare our hearts now for this series, that, that God, you would be faithful in continuing to impact us, to meet us where we're at, to challenge us with your presence, and lead us into a place of growing and understanding, God, that we would be stronger in our faith, that, God, we would be stronger in the calling that you have placed on our life as individual followers of Christ Jesus, but also, Lord, as a church, gathering collectively together each and every day to exist in a community where, God, we can make a radical difference for your kingdom because of your presence in our life. And so, Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we absolutely adore you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Last week, we kicked off our series called Vertical. And uh, I, I tell you, this has been one that has really challenged me personally as I've dove into the scriptures and prepared for these messages and, and just all that God would reveal to us. Last week we talked about, uh, about the reality that we need to imagine 
all that God is capable of doing. And that's a great starting place for us. That's a, that's a great beginning point for us. As, as individuals, Think considering what God might want to do in our lives, but also as the church looking at what the future holds for us as, as a body, as a, a body of believers. So imagining what God can do in us and through us. Today we're going to be talking about preparing because I think that is important as we, as we begin to imagine all that God may be calling us to do One of the things that we see throughout Scripture is the way that God challenges His people to make preparation to go, to to do, to become, and to be the church in the community in which it exists. And so this morning we want to turn to Joshua chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And this is where we're going to be camping out this morning as we continue this walk through the story of Israel and, and, and the story of Joshua as the new leader of, of, this, of the people of God. And, and so we want to go here. We want to ask God to help us understand what it means to prepare for that place in which God would send us and for that thing that God would call us to do. I want you to imagine, if you will, for just a moment, facing one of the greatest challenges of your life. I'm talking about an accomplishment that you maybe have never figured you were, that was even possible of doing. Back in 2009, I started running triathlons. I'm not a runner. You can look at me. I don't look like a runner. But I had someone present an opportunity to me. It was more of a challenge instead of an opportunity. But they, 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 they invited me to participate in a triathlon and and those challenges grew because it was a, it was a small sort of beginner uh, triathlon that I was doing. And then they challenged me to, to go a little bit longer in those. And we, did, we eventually were doing uh, Olympic-length uh, triathlons. And then finally that challenge came where they challenged me to do a half Ironman. Now, in case you don't know what a half Ironman is, let me just tell you. It's a race, okay? I, again, I'm not good at racing uh, unless there's a motor involved there, okay? But, but, but there was this race, this triathlon race, and it's 113 kilometers. That's 70.3 miles. And, and just the thought of something like that was intimidating to me because I could, at the time, I could barely run to the mailbox, okay? And so it, it's just one of these things where I started training for it. It was, it was 70.3 miles. First of all, you swim 1.2 miles, you come out of the water, and you get on a bicycle, and you race. You don't ride, you race 56 miles on a bicycle. And when you finish the 56 miles on a bicycle, you get off, and you try to wipe off the sweat, and, and you change from cycling shoes to running shoes, and then you run, as if it wasn't enough, a half marathon at the end, 13.1 miles. And so, you know, I remember this opportunity to do this, this challenge that was placed before me. And I remember training and training and training and training until we finally got to the day before. And I can tell you this, we were, uh, we were staying with friends, Linnell and I were, and as we were facing that next day, and, and Linnell was saying things that any good wife would say, like, you're going to do fine. <laughs> I was throwing up with fear. Because I had all these thoughts going through my head that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make it. First of all, 1.2 miles, I will probably drown in the Savannah River. 
That's probably what's going to happen. They'll be dragnetting the river for my body, you know. And, and so I, I didn't know if I would even make the swim. But even if I did, 56 miles on hilly terrain was not something that I, I felt like I was going to be able to do after the swim. And, and then if I did, I mean, I had only run a half marathon once in my life. And it was during the training aspect of, of it all. And, and, and I, just, I just didn't know how all this was going to come together. And I remember just sitting up at night, just throwing up with fear. I mean, I was so anxious. I was so worried about failure. I was so worried about not being able to complete it. I was so worried about facing that day. And all I could do that night was just check over my equipment and prepare for the race tomorrow and remember all the training that I had done and, and, and how I had gotten through this stage and how I would gotten through that stage. You know, all of us, as we go through life, face incredible challenges. And many times we come to those moments in our life where it is finally time. And as we get to that moment, we begin to want to back out. We begin to allow fear to set in. And, and if we're not careful, we'll allow insecurities within us to develop and and, and, and many times, in many cases in our life, we've caused those insecurities and those fears to, to cause us to, to quit or to, to not even attempt to do what has been laid before us. In the passage that we're looking at and we're reading through, this is really how the story of Joshua is unfolding. Last week we saw where God commissioned Joshua, he and all the people of God, to arise and to go over that Jordan River. Uh, to cross the Jordan River, I mean, to them, looked like a pretty good swim, you know? I mean, it was a raging river at the time. It was overflowing its banks and, and just wondering how they were going to get across that river. And then once they got across, what an amazing challenge that lay ahead as they tackled giants and enemies that were out to get them. And so here we see this amazing story unfolding. And what we begin to realize is that this was a significant time for Israel. This was a significant time for Joshua as a leader, but it was also a significant time for Israel to move forward in that which God was calling them to do. And they'd been waiting for such a long time. They'd been waiting for such a long time. They wanted it, but now the rubber was meeting the road and it was time to go. And now was the moment and the opportunity that they had to move forward. There were basically only two options at this point. Either recoil in fear or in obedience to God, move forward. That's it. I mean, isn't that usually the way it is? I mean, isn't really that in most every instance in our life the only two options when it comes to what God wants to do in our life? To either respond to what God is calling, or to just simply recoil in fear, to hold back, to not participate, not go, not do what God is calling us to do. This morning we're looking at preparing for what God will do. Joshua 1, verses 9 through 13, and the, the Lord has commissioned Joshua, and now Joshua is about to lead the people. Read this passage with me, if you will, this morning as we dive into the Word. Verse 9, he says this, he says, have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What encouraging words from the Lord God to this leader. And we were talking about Joshua and staff uh, among some of our staff this week and, and talking about the reality was, you know, we see such a strong, confident leader, but I am sure of this, that he was anxious. I'm sure he was a little nervous. I'm sure that probably the day before he's throwing up with fear. I'm, I'm sure he was facing all of these things. And what a tremendous word from the Lord where the Lord would come and say, be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed. Do not allow fear to get the best of you. Because here's what you know is that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And what a challenging word that he gives to to Joshua, And then this is what we see in verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Be strong and courageous. It's a challenge for God's people to trust in God, to be people of faith in the midst of one of the greatest challenges that they now faced. You know, as I read through, <clears throat> excuse me, this, this passage, I'm personally challenged, as I think we all should be. In America, there, there exists a problem. In America, in, in, in American Christianity, there, there exists an epidemic of weakness that is spread throughout churches all over this land. It's a weakness in faith. It's a weakness in trusting God. It's a weakness that exists. We see it every single day as, as, as people are, are losing faith in the relationships that they have with people and losing faith with the, the things that God has called them to do and losing faith in the, in the callings that God has placed on their life to go. And we, we see it every single day where, where people are challenged with great challenges and yet there's a weakness in our faith. I'm sure that as God was thinking about Joshua and the people and knowing their past and knowing how they had a tendency to, to recall in fear, he now tells them, be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed. Do not back down because he is wanting to challenge them to be people of great faith, believing and trusting in God. The, the, the question for us always is not so much, you know, where does God want us to go? That usually doesn't change much, does it? The question is how we're going to do it. And, and it's when we start thinking how we're going to do it that we begin to get real fearful of the things that we are already called to do, to advance the kingdom of God, to, to participate in the great work that he has commissioned us to do. Here in verse 9, the Lord said, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me ask you a question this morning, Cross Point. How many of you are thankful for the presence of God in your life? That He is with you 
wherever you go. I tell you, I wish I could believe that the way I need to believe that. I mean, I know it's truth. I know it's the word of God. I know it's the truth. I just, I just don't always, and I'm just being transparent with you, I don't always feel this way. I don't always feel as though the presence of God is with me. And that's what creates the weakness. It's when, it's when our minds begin to take over and, and lead us astray from the truth of God's word, which promises us that God is with us wherever we go. Nothing in our life or our ministry ever happens apart from courage. Have you ever thought about that? Nothing in our life or our ministry ever happens apart from courage. I mean, we go through daily things where we just walk through the daily routines of life and that, that really doesn't take a lot to consider. But think about this. We get up in the morning and we go to work and, and, and there's things about our job that just scare us to death. There's things about our job that, that frighten us. There's things about making a living that scare us to death. And so every one of us, we get up and we, we go and we do the things that God has called us to do. And if we really examine our life, if we really examine the, the ministry of this church, really nothing that we do is apart from courage. And and yet here we see that one of the most incredible things about courage is that, that it requires tremendous faith. And that's what we want to see as we dive into this. Somebody, somebody has to pull the trigger. Somebody has to have the courage to be first. To do that which God is calling us to do. And so here the Lord is speaking to Joshua and he says, Go. I want you to arise. I want you to go. I want you to go because I am with you wherever you go. You know what I have called you to do. Now go do it. One of the things that I've come to realize just personally as I, as I think about this text and all the lessons that God has taught me is that there are basically three things that I have learned personally uh, from this passage about courage. And here's the first thing, that courage rests on a clear assignment from God. You see, it's real easy for me to do something, to move forward on something, if I know with the certainty that God is calling me to do it. You see, the courage rests on my certainty, my assurance that God has given me the task. I often speak to missionaries who, who feel called to go into a, a foreign land and to, to be a missionary in a, in a foreign land. And, and they're, living, they're leaving behind their jobs. They're leaving behind their family. They leave behind everything. And they often talk about the fear that exists in their life about going to Ethiopia or wherever it is that they're going. But it is ultimately this assurance that God has called them to do it that compels them to continue to go. That's where their courage comes from, is from the clear assignment from God. Here's the second thing. Courage rests on the assurance of God's presence. I just asked you as a church earlier, you know, how many of you are thankful for God's presence in our life? You know, if, if we're moving forward and we believe with a sure sense that God is with us, it is so much easier for us to move forward. And so courage rests on the assurance of God's presence, knowing that God is with us. The third thing is this, is that courage rests on the faith and the determination of God's people who are willing to go. 
You see, the reality is, is that ultimately it comes down to our faith, our obedience, our determination to carry out what God is calling us to do. In our weakness, he makes us strong, no doubt, but, but there is a sense of responsibility, if you will, for the church, for individuals to, to be people of faith and determination at whatever God has called us to do. And so courage ultimately rests on, in, in my opinion, those three things. Now, I, I love how the New Living Translation, I don't use this translation a lot, but the New Living Translation uh, translates Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I want to read this to you because I think it's really in- incredible. But it says this, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I love this. Faith is. If you've ever wondered what faith is, here's Hebrews 11.1 1 is known as the, the definition of faith. It, it's, it's what we see in Scripture. This defines for us what faith is. The, it's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the certainty of things unseen. Here we see that faith is, is having the confidence that what we're hoping for and it's not that, you know, it's not us hoping for material things. It's not us hoping for, you know, just whatever it is that we have on our wish list. It's hoping for the things of God. But as we, as we bring our, our spirituality into the things that we desire, the, the things that God has called us to, the things that God is prompting us to be and to do, as we consider all those things, as we look ahead at the vision that God has placed and the mission that he has placed us on, as we consider all of that, these things that we hope for, they're going to happen. And that's what faith is. It's believing that these things will come about. And ultimately, faith is the greatest way that we trust God through our faith. Now, let's dive into this text for just a moment. Joshua instructs God's people to do two things in this passage. And I love this. I think this is really remarkable for us to look at here this morning. The first thing that we see is that Joshua tells the people, prepare for where God is sending us. You see, you got Joshua and the Lord. And here the Lord is challenging Joshua. He's calling him. He's he's commissioning him to, to take the people of God across the Jordan River and into the land in which he has promised. So you have this commissioning that takes place. And then you have Joshua who now turns to the people after God has encouraged him to be strong and courageous and not be dismayed over the things that that he will face in the course of this great commissioning. But now he turns to God's people and he offers to them instruction. We read this in verse 10 and 11, he says, and Joshua, it says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. So he tells the leaders to go and tell the leaders these things. And this is what he says. Prepare your provisions. For within three days you are going to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. I love this because I can only I can only imagine the looks on their face. Prepare your provisions. I'm talking about not getting a lot of warning about this, not getting a lot of early notice. He says in three days we're going to cross the Jordan River. I suppose that as he says this to his leaders, here's what they do. The Jordan River's over here. He's looking to them. Joshua comes up. Hey guys, I want to tell you something. They go, yeah, Joshua, what's up? And he says, hey, 
We're going to cross over this Jordan in three days. And they go, that river? Shouldn't we wait for it to go down? I mean, it's been some heavy rains and it's, it's raging. You know, it, it's, it, he just comes up so matter-of-factly. If you don't see faith in this picture, I don't know what you do. He comes up and he says, hey, guys, we are about to go. Prepare yourself. Prepare your provisions. Prepare what we get ready to go. He says, prepare your provisions. Joshua says, get ready. It's about to happen. You remember, you remember uh, growing up as a, as a child and you remember when somebody challenged you to do a race? You ever see that, you know? Uh, or, or maybe recently you've seen this in the, in the, in the, in the playgrounds or the schoolyards or whatever lately. But it, it, it's always the same. It hasn't changed. I'm 52 years old. We've been doing this uh, the same way for 52 years, okay? I guess even before I was alive on this earth. But it's always like this. Somebody says, I'll race you to that pole. You, ever, you, you know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden they go, okay, you're on, you know? Or they, they recall in fear, oh, not me. I'm not a racer, you know? But they say, okay, you're on. And then it always happens. Somebody draws a line in the sand. You ever see that? They draw that line, and then they get right here, and they go to the pole and back. And then you always hear these words. You remember? Get ready. Get set. And then there's somebody that goes off the line early. You know, that always happens too. And then somebody goes, go! And then the race is on. This is almost what I see unfolding as I look at this passage. I see that Joshua comes to his leaders and he says, hey guys, get ready. Get set. We're about to go. We're about to go where, where God wants us to go. And the thing is, it's going to be a pretty big deal. Because it's not going to be something that we think we're capable of doing. But here's the deal. God is going to do something in us through this initiative. God is going to grow our faith in him. God is going to give us the confidence that we need. God is going to give us the courage that we need. Even when we face our enemies, even when we get across the swollen river, when we get to the other side and we have all the battles that we have to face on the other side, you know what? Here's what we need to, to know is that God is always with us and he will go wherever we go. So he says, get ready. Prepare for your provisions. How do we, as we face this initiative, this vertical initiative, how is it that we prepare? You know, last week we talked about this and we said, here's what we must do to prepare ourselves. We must think about it. You remember we said that last week? Think about it. In other words, process everything that's going on. Seek answers for your questions. Come to try to understand what God is wanting us to do in, in, this, in this initiative. It's a huge initiative. It makes sense to think about it. But we must think about it. We must process all that God is calling us to do. And then we said, let us pray. Let's ask God to reveal to us the things that God would have us to do. Last Sunday night, we had so many people filling up this, this auditorium. Going, We did it like a progressive prayer where people went from station to station. And we just rotated in and out of this building for two hours. Praying about God, what God would do do in us, how God would grow us, how God would mature us, how God would lead us, how God would, 
would encourage us, how God would give us strength, how God would give us faith, how God would stretch us, how God would just do incredible things in our lives as individuals and as a church. We must be people of prayer. And then we also talked about the third thing, which is to give. We have to respond in obedience to what God has shown us and ultimately believe this truth, that God will bless us through this act of obedience. I love what 2 Corinthians 9-7 says. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let us give of our time to processing this initiative, thinking through it. Let us give of our time in prayer as we seek God. And let us give of our money because God loves a cheerful giver. This is how we can prepare in this process. You know, one of the things I've come to realize about this initiative is that it's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. It's not about equal gifts, it's about equal sacrifice. You know, last week, we haven't even got to the fourth week of the series where we do our, our go offering, but last week we already had people that have started contributing to the, to the vertical. We had a, a lady here that was visiting her son who is from out of town, not even a partner of this church, who last week she came and she wrote this beautiful letter and she sent this check in for $500. And she said, Pastor David, I, I just love what God is doing in y'all's church. And, and as, as God just revealed this on my heart, I want to be obedient to give as well. She doesn't even go here. And yet she sent a check for $500. She said, please put this toward the vertical initiative that God would just do incredible things in y'all's ministry. That's, yeah, thank God for, for that. At the same time, we had, listen to this now, at the same time, last week we had people who made commitments or gave checks that were 40 to 80% greater than $500. Huge difference between the amount of the gifts that were made. But equal in sacrifice. Some are able to give more than others, but we all must be people who turn to God and believe with assurance that God is going to bless this initiative because he has called us to do it. And where we go, he goes. And the reality is, is that we must pray about how we can be faithful in all of this. Now, here's the second thing that Joshua said to the people. Joshua says, remember the provision God is giving us. Remember the provision. I think this is interesting. Joshua goes to the people and he says this. He says, prepare. <laughs> Make preparations. You ever go on a long-distance trip, you know? Uh, how many of you, you know, like to plan that thing out and to really know, you know, I... I I'm, I actually can go both ways. I can plan it out to the nth degree, or I can just go on a road trip and just see where, the, where, the, where I land at night. You know, I, I'm, I'm good with all of it. But most all of us have gone on, on trips where we just plan out everything. And I, I love doing that because it, sometimes it's just necessary. I know Heather Depta is the, is the master of preparation. She's going to kill me for calling her out, but this is something her husband revealed to me as he talked about how she, she just drove him crazy. No, she, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. 
But, you know, preparing, and that's what God said. He says, prepare for what God is calling us to do. And then Joshua says, he says this, it's so powerful. He says, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. I love this. Joshua says to the people, he says, remember. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to respond if you don't want to this question. This is rhetorical. How many of you have seen God just do something incredible in your life in the past? Amen? Well, go ahead and reply if you want to. We've all been there. We've all seen God do remarkable things in our past. And what Joshua says, he says, remember God in this. Remember what God has done in the past. And I love these words that he provides, three very powerful words as he challenges the people of God to remember what God is doing. He says, God is providing. I love that. He says here, God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. He, he's, he lays out two specific things, but I think the, the, the most powerful words in all of this verse is God is providing. And a church that is built on faith believes that God is a God of provider. He is a God of provision. He is constantly providing for us, and he is making a way for us. This week, Michael, our executive pastor, he came in, and, and he, uh, he shut my door, and that's usually not really a good thing. You know, he walks in, he says, hey, can I talk to you? And he shuts the door, and it's like, oh, no, what, what's going on? You know? And he says, no, 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 it's good. I said, why'd you shut the door then, you know? I'm, I'm just a little, he said, no, it's really, it's good. He says, I just want to give you a report on a giving for this month. And he says, man, August, now this is, this is a pretty big deal. He says, August has been the second highest month of giving in our church this year. Can we celebrate that? Because here's the reality. That's because of your generosity. Now, let me tell you why he was sharing that and why he thought it was such a big deal. It's because August, June, July, and August is typically the lowest months of the year for us as far as giving. And it's not that we have this abundance of money now, but it will help us to provide in meeting the needs of the church as we celebrate together here this morning the reality that August was a big deal for us financially and so you know we look at that and the same thing that we I mean we we said this to each other we said man God has a way of providing he just does and it's worth celebrating that God is a God of provision he is a God of of just providing a way and here we see where Joshua says remember remember what remember that God is faithful to his provisions why remember this why is it so important Joshua would say, remember that God is providing. Here's why I think. Because I don't believe that God ever calls us to do something this significant without the intentions of sanctifying us. God wants to do something incredible in us. I don't think, I don't think with vertical that God is as crazy about a building going up as he is about what happens in here, building this up. This is what God wants to build up. 
But it's in our act of obedience to giving, to praying, to processing, to doing all of those things. It's in our act of obedience of moving forward and allowing God to stretch us beyond measure that God will sanctify us and he will grow us and he will stretch our faith and he will increase our trust in him. It's through this act of building a building that God will do something significant in those who participate. God has instructed us to go forward with this initiative because he wants to sanctify us in the process. That's why we must remember that it's all about God. It's all about what Jesus is doing in our life. You know, I I talked about one huge physical challenge that I faced in 2009. I want to take you all the way back to 2005. I remember when Linnell and I planted the church, when we stepped away from the church that we were, that we were on and, and working at. And, and here's what's really, you know, uh, neat about this, this time in our life. You see, we, we were on staff at another church, and we had full salary. We had benefits. We, you know, we had all that, and, and yet God was calling us away. There was a clear assignment there was a you know the, the the clear belief that God's presence was with us, and we stepped out to plant this church. But the, the reality was there wasn't a church yet. There wasn't a salary waiting. There wasn't benefit. There was no insurance that was waiting for us. It was it was walking away from the security of all that and stepping into something where there was none of that. We didn't know how we were going to pay the bills. I was searching online trying to find a job to make ends meet while we planted a church, and, and, and what we came to realize in the course of a few weeks of, of this process is that it was not looking good as far as paying the bills, and, and again, I, I told you earlier, I, I was stricken with fear, and I know Linnell was fear. We were, I'm just being honest, we were scared to death, but you know what God did in that time? What He did in our life? He showed us the importance of dependency on God. You see, we had no choice but to believe in God. We had no choice but to lean on Him. We had no choice but to trust Him. And God showed us in such incredible ways how He is with us wherever we go. He showed us in such incredible ways as He paid our bills, as we move forward in faith, as we continue with so many others that came along the way, taking those same steps of faith with us. God continued to show us our, de- our dependency on Him and the reality that it is a reality in our life. God wants to show us God wants us to remember that he is the one who is bringing all of this about. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 says this. I love this. We're almost done. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. I love this. And you shall remember. The Word of God challenging God's people to remember the whole way that the Lord has led you. In other words, to look back at the last 40 years of your life. And I know some of you aren't 40, but look back into your past and remember how it is that God is the one who was leading you along the way. 
I think it would be really sad for us to get to a certain point in our life and to think that we have accomplished all that we have accomplished apart from God. I think it would be really sad to think how blessed we are. And we are blessed. I know some of you are probably looking for a job right now and you're a little worried about that. I know that some of us are probably not in a place that we want to be forever. I know that some of us are going through trials and circumstances in our life. I know that. But in the grand scheme of things, we're so truly blessed. We're not starving in Africa, as so many are. We're not under persecution facing death in the Middle East, as so many are. We really are rich beyond measure. When you think about what God has done in our life, we really are. And it would be such a shame for us to get to a certain place in our life and to look back and to pat ourselves on the back thinking, man, you did a great job. Man, you accomplished so much. Look at, the, look at all the things that you did with your life. And to think that we did all those things apart from God. Joshua says, remember the Lord. Not only that He's a God of provision, but that God is leading us every step of the way. You know, as Linnell and I think about vertical, and we, we, we've started talking about how we're going to engage in this, you know, because we have to give to this as well. I mean, we're, we're, we're leading the way in giving. We want to be faithful in that. And so... There, there's really three things that we've kind of thought about as we look at this. There's, there's really three kinds of ways that we could give. We could give out of our obedience, I mean, out of our abundance. We could say, well, we've got this in the account, and we've got, you know, we probably can manage this, and so we can give out of our abundance. But I, I'm not so certain that that's what God really wants us to do. I think about the widow's might and the fact that she gave it all. A second way that we have to process it as we go through this is to think, well, you know, what, what would be a real sacrificial gift? What would, what would stretch us a little bit? And so we start looking at that and we start thinking and praying and saying, God, you know, we, we want to be stretched in this. We want to we give more than, than maybe what is just laying around in our checking account or our savings account. We want to we really challenge ourselves to to be faithful in this and so we we process that and or we could say and this is really the third option we could say you know what would what would a radical step of faith look like for us what would it look like if we if we really if we really believed and trusted in God if we really believed that that through this initiative, God is going to do something internally in us through our obedience. And we really prayed about it. We really processed it. We really got on our hands and our knees and we prayed to God and we said, God, what, is a, what does it look like if we, if we give above and beyond what we could even think is possible in our life? What that might look like for us. Every one of us should be walking through that process as we consider this because if God has blessed us in our past how much more might he bless our future 
when we give not only sacrificially, but we give with a radical step of faith, trusting and believing that God is going to be faithful. Let us not be defined as a church or as an individual. Let us not be defined by weak faith. As we read through God's Word, let us be defined by our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, every great spiritual leader that we read about in the Scriptures has been through moments and times in their life where they feel weak. And what Paul says here, he says, in my weakness, Christ is my strength. You know, this morning, I don't know what it is that you may be going through personally, but I I, I know the challenges are great in all of our lives. Maybe it's our health, maybe it's our job, maybe it's our finances, maybe it's a, a, a broken relationship, maybe who knows what it is that you're facing here this morning, but the reality is this, in our weakness, He is strong. And His grace is sufficient. And so this morning, I challenge us as a church to continue to think about it. To continue to pray about it. And to process all that God would have us to give of ourselves. As we respond to what He has laid before us as a church and as an individual. In just a moment, our, our altar is open. I pray that if God is calling you to pray, if, if the greatest thing that you have taken away from this today is to petition God with your prayers, that God would help you in the circumstances that you face, that God would give you the faith that, that can move mountains, that, that your trust in Him would expand, that you would move through life more confidently, then come and pray. If God is calling you to pray, then come and pray. Let us be people who pray and spend time with God and ultimately be people who trust Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, thank You for Your presence in our life. Thank You, Father, for every great thing that you have accomplished. And Father, for even those trials that you have allowed us to go through that were painful and were hard and were overwhelming and caused great fear. But God, we thank you because we know that in every circumstance that we face, there is the intention through your Holy Spirit of sanctifying us. God, we love you. We praise you. We absolutely adore you. We thank you, God, for all that you are doing through this initiative. And God, what you're going to do in us and through us and with us as we continue to live out our faith 
together in a community that desperately needs to hear of the hope that is found in him. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. In the awesome name of Jesus, we pray.